0: We are celebrating Father's Day today and and the goodness of God you know is is beyond our being able to explain. When you really begin to think about the goodness of God and the things that he does on a daily basis, it begins to help you overcome the negative aspects of. Of things that happen, we all have we all have both in our lives. We have tremendous blessing, and we have also have uh, things that that uh, causes problems, things that, that uh, become heavy uh, to bear. And you know, we as, as Christians, you'd think that we would always be just you know on top of things and uh, just. Rip, but hey, there's some days that, that we have to really struggle to get uh, in, to stay in that place. Of victory to stay in that place where uh, God has has blessed us, because there's a battle that goes on between the mind and the spirit, the soul and the spirit, and so there's a constant battle. And the two, you know, the the carnal mind is enmity against God, and it can't even be reconciled to God. And so we have we constantly contend with the carnal mind and the spiritual mind, and we have to constantly put down the carnal mind and 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 agree with the spiritual mind. But I want us to talk. Today, I want to talk this morning, we've been talking about the uh, calm confidence of, of being a child of God. That doesn't mean that you sit around and hum all the time. You know, it doesn't, doesn't mean you sit and you know, and, and never are passionate or anything like doesn't mean that. It means you engage life. It means you're passionate. You know, you, sometimes you even have to war, but being calm and confident in the, in the kingdom of God means that you have no issues. That are battling on the inside of you. It means that you don't have conflict inside of you. The argument, the, ta- you know, the Bible says that we cast down arguments and every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And uh, we bring in the captivity, every thought that, that is against the Word of God. And, uh, and preceding that, it, it, it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, and there are strongholds that we deal with uh, continually on a daily basis. In our everyday life, there are strongholds that, that the enemy has, has established that we have to deal with. Sometimes we have to break through those strongholds. You can be, you can be doing just fine, the next thing you know, you, you enter into a place where the enemy has put a stronghold, and you have to, you have to uh, bo- battle against that and war against that. But God gives us victory if we can agree with his victory and uh, fight, you know, battle against that carnal mind that, that tries to, that is death and, and takes away from us the blessings of God. I want to look this morning in uh, the book of Luke, and we're going to be talking about uh, the blessing of the Father, the Father's blessing. How many believe that the Father wants to bless you? Amen. Sister Val did such a good job putting songs together today that, that really emphasize that. And uh, thank God for, for uh, just the hope that we have. But Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to be looking at today. And it talks about the lost son or the prodigal son. We, we, most of us know the story pretty well where uh, the youngest son decides that he wants his uh, part of the inheritance and so the father divided that up and gave it to him. Well, immediately he left and went to a far country and just had riotous living, just, just lived um, how he wanted to live and um, you know, spent his money on everything that was wrong, everything that he shouldn't have been investing in or he didn't invest in anything. He just wasted everything that he had got from the father. The blessing of the father became wasted in his life. And how many times do we see people do that? They, they could have the blessing of God, but instead they're wasting everything that God's given them on the uh, temporary pleasures of this world, on the temporary uh, things of, of the world, seeking after the things that, that don't bring contentment and don't bring happiness into your life and simply take away from you and rob you of the things that... that that the Father has blessed us with. But then in uh, verse 17, it says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? This young man found himself in a place of, of loneliness, He had nobody. He found himself in a place where there was no provision. He didn't have food to eat. Nobody helped him with anything. And he found himself in a very isolated, desperate situation because he had taken what had been he had been blessed with and squandered it. And now he had nothing. He was separated from the blessing. He was separated from what God wanted or the Father wanted him to have. And because of that, he is now suffering in an isolated situation. People find themselves in an isolated situation all the time. in the world, there's all kinds of, of things you know sometimes I, I I thumb through all the statements on facebook and and I see so many statements about you can't trust anybody and people let you down and you know all this kind of stuff about people and You know they they they'll stab you in the back and you know I I go through all these and I see all these statements about all this uh, you know passive aggressive statements because they're making statements about people without naming them and yet we don't know who they are and yet they're making the statements in public you know it's it's a very passive aggressive way of dealing with things that really doesn't accomplish anything because it's not dealing with the problem. Amen. It's just simply venting and spreading the germ of distrust and, and uh, you know, the whole, um, you know, ain't nobody worth anything kind of thing. Boy, it's quiet in here. <laughs> Woo! Getting kind of tense, getting a little quiet. But we, you know, you know I, I want to get on there and I don't. I'm a, I'm a very opinionated person, and I found that most of the time it's best to keep my opinion to myself. But I want to get on there and say, hey, uh, if you'll talk to the right person, maybe you can resolve this. You know, there ain't nobody out here in Facebook land that knows what you're talking about and can't help you with it, you know? Uh, whoever it is that you're upset about, you know, if you do what the Bible says, go to them and talk to them and see if you can resolve this, this issue. Amen. I would rather would rather spread good stuff. How many would, would rather infect people with good things? Amen. Just infect people with good things. You know, God's good. If you can't say anything about anything good about people, just say whoa, God's good. <laughs> Father's good. Amen. But this father blessed his son, and he squandered all of it, and just and and found himself in a very isolated situation. And then it says, and he came. To himself. I like that statement. He came to himself. In other words, he finally wrapped his mind around the fact that, hey, I did this to myself. This is my fault. I can't blame anybody for my problems. This is my fault. You know, that's not a popular thing today, but but it should be. It should be a very popular thing that, you know, my actions, my results. And so when when he finally came to himself, and said, wow, that didn't work very good. That, that kind of caused me a lot of problem. And he said, I know that even back home, even my father's servants don't go without. My father's servants are in better shape than I am. They're eating right now, and I'm sitting out here feeding swine and wanting to eat what I'm giving to the swine because I have nothing to eat. And, and so he came to himself and, and said, what am I doing out here? I need to go home. I need to go face the music, so to speak. I need to go back and face my father and say, hey, I blew it. And I ain't got anything left. And so that's exactly what he did. And he says, I will rise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you, and I am no... Isn't it amazing? He's still trying to be in control of all this. Rehearsing what he's going to say, and this is how he's going to do it. And, you know, sometimes it's best just to, just to fall down on your face and say, I blew it. But instead he's trying to set this thing up where his father has to accept, you know, trying to, trying to, still trying to play the angle. Man, if we just quit trying to play the angle on God and on people, it would be a whole lot better, you know, just to be able to say, I blew it. You know, there's, there's been times that I've, I've been in situations where I've tried to rec- reconcile people. And sometimes it's, it happens. Sometimes it works. Other times it doesn't. And there's been times that I, you know, somebody was going to apologize or, or forgive. Somebody was going to forgive somebody, you know, and say they say, I want, I'm going to forgive you because. And anytime I hear that because, I think, well, this is going south. Because they are about to rehearse every sin that was performed against them and they're rehearsing how bad that person is and but I'm going to forgive you see my little halo I'm going to forgive you you're such a bad person but I'm going to continue continually rehearse to you what you did wrong and that's how I'm going to forgive you by making you understand how wrong you are man this is supposed to be a real happy sermon this <laughs> You know, whoo! Forgiveness means I release you from the punishment you deserve. Not because. I release you from the punishment you deserve. Amen. Praise God. What's that do? That releases you. You know? Praise God. Forgiveness, forgiveness isn't letting people off the hook. Forgiveness isn't putting your full trust back in the person. There's people I forgive, but I would not even let them ride in my car (laughs) because they have not changed. You know what I'm talking about? Forgiveness isn't stupid. Forgiveness is intelligent. It releases people from the punishment they deserve. In other words, you let go of them and go on with your life. Instead of being held hostage by that person, you let go of them. You quit trying to make them pay. You just let go of them. And this young man was trying to sit it up to where the father would have to somehow accept him and accept his behavior so that he could have something to eat, so he could have some food. And so he's rehearsing all this. He's sitting on the stage. He's thinking, okay, I know my father, so if I put it this way, I've got him. And, I, and he'll let me back in. He'll, he'll at least let me be one of the servants where I'll at least have something to eat. Why is he doing this? Because he doesn't trust the ability of his father to forgive him. He's trying to manipulate forgiveness. He's trying to set the stage. He's trying to outline it to where you have to do this. Have you ever been approached by somebody that that really didn't repent but put all the pressure on you? and, And you have to love me and forgive me because it's what the Bible says. What are they doing? They're putting all the pressure on you and throwing all the blame on you, and they're manipulating you. It's called, it's called um, uh, I had it right here. It's called toxic, highly manipulative, narcissistic behavior. I pulled that one out, didn't I? Yeah, it, it sunk in the gray matter back there somewhere, but I, it, I was able to deep dive and get it back out of there. Toxic, highly manipulative, narcissistic behavior always tries to make everybody else responsible for their behavior. And so if somebody approaches you and says, look, you have to forgive me because the Bible says you do. Just look at them and say, I forgive you because the Bible tells me to but don't try to manipulate me again. I know what you're doing. Never, ever let them by with that because it'll just continue. It's called abusive behavior. I don't know why I'm saying all this. I'm telling somebody. Don't succumb to abusive behavior where somebody's always trying to make you responsible for their behavior. Okay? Stand up to it. But don't harbor ill will. Don't harbor grudges. Because if you do, they've already got you and they're manipulating you. Amen. Stay free. This, man, this young man was trying his best to think of a way to manipulate this situation where he can get back into the Father's good graces. And, and when he, when he uh, gets it all settled in his mind, thinking, okay, this, this is going to be good. I've got this. And so he goes back home, and he arose and came to his, his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He wasn't quite expecting that. And the son said to him, now look, I mean, he, he's still on point. And the son said to him, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, I mean, just interrupted him. All this planning, and it wasn't even necessary. He interrupted him, and the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandal on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. Amen. When we understand the heavenly father, I want to talk about heavenly father. Amen. The, The ultimate father. The awesome father. The one that walks with us all the time. The one that wants you to be blessed more than you want to be blessed. The father who is more interested in promoting you in life than punishing you in life. Can I say that again? The Father who is more interested in promoting you in life than punishing you in life. So much of Christianity has projected a God that is always wanting to punish somebody. There are reproach for behavior. Amen. You can't just go off and do whatever you want and not have reproach in your life. Amen. And there is a thing called the wrath of God. But God does not use his wrath to teach you something. God uses his wrath to kill you. (laughs) So next time somebody says to you, God put this on me to teach me a lesson, say, no, if God put it on you, he'd kill you. We have to understand the awesomeness of God in everything. Amen. We do not want to get under the awesome anger of God because we, we have stories in Old Testament that tells us what happened when, when you get there. Amen. But we also have many more stories about how much God wants to bless his people. In, in Hebrews uh, chapter four, the last part of chapter three and, and chapter four, talks about the rest that God has made a rest, and He said that there still remains a rest for the people of God. What does it mean to rest? To have that rest? I looked this up. You know, I I, I like to I, I have to dissect things and really understand what's going on. In, in, uh, these, in what God's saying, and I studied rest in every way I could, and it just kept coming back to the same thing. I was wanting a deeper meaning, but it just simply means rest. It just means quit laboring, and I keep looking at that, and I'm thinking, okay, I got to reconcile this in my mind because we can't just sit down and do nothing. You know, God, what is this rest? Yesterday morning, I, I, spent, I spent probably three and a half hours over here yesterday morning just praying and saying, God, tell me. Help me to understand this. Help me to understand what, what is this rest about? And I just couldn't quite wrap my mind around it because it just simply meant to rest. When you rest, it means you you stop you stop pushing yourself, you stop forcing yourself, and you just simply sit down and rest. Looks real spiritual motivated, doesn't it? Doesn't seem like we're getting much done. But the rest, to really understand what he's talking about, go back to the Old Testament where this is being taken out of, in, uh, and, and we understand that the people of God were brought out of Egypt, out of bondage, with a high hand, celebration. And they were taken into the wilderness, and they could have got to the promised land, I believe it was in 11 days, if they had a, you know, just a straight shot to the promised land. But God knew that they wouldn't be able to handle the opposition that was going to come against them, so he took them to a place where he could meet with them. Now, God was not wanting to make them wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. That was not God's plan, okay? That was the people's plan because they rejected what God wanted. God wanted to meet with them on the mountain, and the people said, no, Moses, you go talk to him. In other words, I don't want to talk to him. How many of you grew up in a home where there was more than one kid and there's always that one kid that was always trying to to get the other kids to approach mom and dad? Yeah. It all depends on what you want. When we wanted to go swimming as children we would approach Sandy <laughs> because we knew that Sandy somehow had a way of getting dad after a hard day's work to go and take us swimming, and she would go put on her swimming gear and go sit down by him and, and, and say, Daddy, can we please go swimming? And he'd, he'd say, okay. But as boys, you know, we, we figured, obviously from experience, that if we went in there and said, can we go swimming, they say, no, not tonight. <laughs> so somehow Sandy got the position. This is my oldest sister right here. No, I'm not the oldest in the family. <laughs> everybody thinks I'm the old. I am number three. And everybody thinks I'm the oldest child. I don't know where that comes from. I guess I, I act old or something. But we would approach Sandy. And then other things, I've got another brother here, my little brother, and he's, he's the youngest. There was things that he could get done, so we knew who to approach. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all know who, who this is. My brother that was just older than me, he was, he was one of those behind-the-scenes CIA agents. He never was out front. Never got in trouble because he learned how to make us be out front. (laughs) And I was the child that didn't hide anything. If I was going to do something, I did it. I didn't try to sneak around. I just, I was right out front. You know, I. If, if I got it done and got punished, it was worth it. Let's go. You know? And so I didn't try to sneak around about anything. My older brother caused more problems in high school than I could have ever imagined, but they liked to beat me to death, and he never got one paddling. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? So they said, Moses, we don't want to talk to God because we're afraid of him. Look at the fire. Look at the smoke. Look, you know, we don't want to talk to him. You go talk to him. And so instead of a relationship, the children of Israel got commandments. I want you to stop and think about this. Was it God's first original plan to give them books and books and books of commandments? He brought them out of the wilderness to meet with, or out of Egypt to meet with them in the wilderness to establish relationship, but instead they rebelled and, and so they got commandments. God wanted relationship, but they got commandments. Some of y'all are going through your theological thesis and. and whatever it might be called, and trying to, trying to decide whether that's true or not, just, you know, just, just go with it, okay? Go with me. <laughs> you can write a paper on it later. God has always wanted relationship. In the Garden of Eden, God did not want people that he lorded over. He wanted people that he fellowshiped with because he would come down in the cool of the evening and walk with them. And talk with them. God didn't create people to try to dominate. God created partnerships. Adam and Eve broke that partnership by doing what he told them not to do. And when he came down looking for them, he couldn't find them. He couldn't see them. And so he began to call out to them. Now, we're talking about an almighty God that knows everything. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. But he comes down in the garden and he starts saying, Adam, where are you? If God ever starts asking you a question, just plead guilty. Don't debate. Just plead guilty. Okay, I know you got my number. What is it? Adam, where are you? And finally, Adam called out and said, We hid ourselves because we were. You cannot have a relationship when you're separated by fear. Amen. You can't have a relationship when you're separated by fear. Sin brings fear into your life in your relationship with God. It brings separation, but grace is what brings us back together. It is God's plan, and God had that that plan to bring them together. He had a plan to bring them. I mean, when God talked about the promised land, he he didn't talk to them and say, Look, I've got a land picked out for you guys that has giants and has all kinds of enemies and fortified cities, and I'm going to take you in there, and they're just going to squish you. That's not how God talked about it. God said, I'm taking you to a blessed land. I'm taking you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be awesome. Amen. He talked about the good stuff. Why? Because he had every plan to take care of the bad stuff. He's a good, good father. Amen. He's a good dad. And so he he set it up for them. They went to the promised land. And I I haven't been able to find a place where God told Moses to send spies. Maybe I'm missing it somewhere. But Moses sent 10 spies in the land to check it out. I'm not sure he's supposed to do that. Or 12 of them. Did I say 10? Was it 10 or 12? Somebody school me. There's a whole bunch of them. And only two of them came back with a good report. The rest of them came back with fear. God has brought us into the wilderness. He's made us roam around for 40 years eating this stuff called manna at first they said it, it tasted like like honey you know like f- and and f- fresh oil whatever that tastes like and and they so they they you know it was great but after 40 years they they loathed it, you know. It's it's like they they tried to make manna burgers and it just didn't turn out. They tried to make manna wings and chicken and 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 you know man manna nuggets and nothing. You know, no matter what they did, it tasted the same. Why? Because they wasn't supposed to be out there forty years. They were supposed to go and meet with God and and have established relationship and establish covenant and then go into the promised land and have a place of position, a place of belonging, a place of blessing. That's what God had picked out for them. When he said that you're going to enter into my rest, what he was talking about is I'm going to give you a place to belong that's yours. This is where you belong. This is your inheritance. I'm going to give it to you. But they rebelled. They were abundantly blessed. In, in, um, in Exodus, um, where it came time to build the temple, they said, We need stuff to build them. The people started bringing stuff, and they finally had to tell them to stop because they brought too much. Lord, I receive that blessing <laughs> in Jesus' name. <laughs> they brought too much. And so they finally had to tell them to stop. How is it they brought too much? Because when God brought them out of Egypt, he brought them out with wealth. They were blessed. I mean, look what they had. When Solomon built the temple, the people had enough gold that they brought their gold and, and everything was overlaid with gold. Where would they get that? God blessed them, and they brought it, out, brought it out of Egypt. There was blessing. That's why it just makes you wonder why at AI would somebody you know, sin over a couple of garments and a, and a you know, little tiny thing when they were abundantly blessed when they left Egypt. I mean, they stripped Egypt on the way out. They were blessed. But it says that they heard the word, the word was preached to them, Hebrews 4 and 2, the word was preached to them just like us, but the word didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Faith is not the faith of the power of God. We have to have faith in the love and nature of God. We know God's powerful. He created the heavens and the earth. Matter of fact, He's still creating. If, if you can look, you know, there, uh, there's, there's one picture uh, from the Hubble telescope. And, and in that picture, there are over 10,000 universes, galaxies, I mean, over 10,000 galaxies. There's all these bright dots. You know, it looks like stars. It's not. It's galaxies, just like our Milky Way galaxy that we can't even discover because it's light years across, you know, we can't, we can't even get to the closest planet and and we can't even get to mars you know what we, we've been obsessed with going to mars i don't know why anybody's obsessed with going to mars it's a red dry planet that has no air has nothing and yet uh, humanity has been obsessed with going to mars i don't know why we just are we got to get to mars you barely got to the moon some people say we didn't but i you know i, th- I think maybe we did i don't know There are those that say the earth is flat. I've been around it. I don't believe it's flat. I've, 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 you know, I've flown around the world many, many times. Amen. David lives completely upside down from us. When you look on a the, on the globe, Missouri is here. And if you go straight over exactly on the other side of the world, that's where David lives. I've, I've been there, and, and we didn't fly like this. I think I'd have known that that happened. There had been, been a few flights that I thought we did that, but, but we had to fly in circular motions. Because of the curvature of the earth, you know, but people believe that anyway. I'm chasing rabbits. Somebody killed that rabbit, so I quit chasing. <laughs> I have to give Sister Betty a sign to tell me when I'm chasing rabbits, like that one cartoon. The pastor's wife holds up holds up a stuffed rabbit every time he. <laughs> but God created all this. He's awesome. He's powerful. Few people have doubted that, that are Christian. You know, there are, I mean, we're not going to get into that. There are people that don't believe in God, but Christian people seldom doubt that God is powerful. But to really have faith in God is not to have faith in his power, but to have faith in his nature, to have faith in his love that God actually loves me enough to do this. In, in the book of 2 Peter, where we've been talking about reading out of uh, for quite some time now, I want to read in verse 3. We've been in verse 2 for quite a while, but let's read in verse 3, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. But he said, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God was trying to give the children of Israel everything they needed to excel, and they, they refused. The same is true with us. God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything. It didn't say a few things, it said everything. What is it that we need for life and godliness? We need health. We need provision. But more than anything, we need, is we need the power of His Spirit because that's what gives us ability. I've been talking about the three levels of prosperity and you know all prosperity teaching for the last several years has has all focused on the very bottom level of prosperity and that's finances and provision. Necessary finances and provision is necessary. And we have to have it because it's a temporary power purchase that we that that is established today and so we have to have it. And so That's very important, but it's the bottom level. The next level, the second level, is mental and physical health and healing. And then the very top level, the most awesome level, is the fullness and abundance of the Spirit. If we could just stay focused on the top level the Bible says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all these other things will be added to you. If we could just seek the presence of God like he wants us to, then we would live in all things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen. Because God wants us to have that. God's blessing the f- blessing of the Father is for us to enter into his rest. What is his rest? His rest is a place of belonging. And a place of provision and a place of relationship. That's what God, that's the rest that God wants us to enter into. To have rest, to be at peace with Him, to, to have that rest, you know, to, to just be able to live in the presence of God. There's been a few days this week. This week has been one of those deals where, where I, have, I have had amazing heights with God. And amazing lows with battle. The amazing heights of just, you know, I've seen God provide such amazing things this week. I mean, just glorious things. And the presence of God has just been amazing, just abundant. There was, there, there's been times that I've, I've just, I've laughed and cried, you know, the, you know, just continually because of the presence of God. I'm not an emotional person. You know, usually when I say I'm when I get excited, I go, "Man, I'm pumped." That's about you know that's about my expression. But when I feel the presence of God, when I feel the awesomeness of God, all of a sudden I turn into this weird person <laughs> that can't stop laughing and crying. It's just how it hits me. I, mean, I if you ever see me just laughing. And crying, I haven't lost it. Don't call don't call the people with the white jacket. I've just I'm just experiencing the presence of God. And and I've I've experienced that this week. But God, all three levels of prosperity, God wants you to have, and He wants to give it to you. He wants you to take part in it, He wants you to participate in it. And and so we need to get this thing in order. Praise God. A lot of times we seek God from the bottom up. We want his provision, and then we want his healing, and then we want to enter into the presence of God. His presence is the absolute most important part. Amen. The fullness, I've seen some awesome things happen this week, but the greatest is what I heard about this morning with Gabri. She, she went to camp and had an awesome experience in the presence of God all week long, was baptized in the Spirit. Healing came into her mind and her spirit. She just had an overflow of the presence of God. And she said she spent her week on the floor, just wrecked by the presence of God. And she come in this morning, and she said, Pastor, could I be baptized next weekend? I said, Absolutely. So she's gonna be baptized next weekend, next Sunday. That is the absolute, ultimate prosperity of God. That's where God wants all of us to live, is in that blessing, in that presence, you know, just the glory of the Lord. I realize we have to function on the job. Let, let, let me let me just make this, this statement. You can be in the presence of the glory of God and not be weird. You know, I've been around people that think that if they're going to walk in the presence of God, they, you know, they, they do all this weird stuff, you know, they, they can't communicate with anybody, you know, it's, a, it's like beam me up Scotty stuff all the time. They're just, you know, they're out there and they're just, you know, don't touch me. I'm, I had a woman actually tell me, she she was going to speak here at the church and, and had been invited by somebody, by a, a part of the ministry of our church and I went up to to shake her hand before service introduced myself as a pastor I stuck my hand out and she said oh I can't touch you I'm in the presence of God the anointing of God is on me I said yeah me too and I just slapped her on the on the back (laughs) it was like being in the presence of God and the glory of God doesn't mean we're weird. Okay? Let me tell you something. God can handle somebody's touch without getting offended and running off. You know it's like, "Ooh, he touched me." Oh. We we make God out to be such a wimp. God can take more than you can. His presence sticks around when you can't. He he ain't the one that up and runs off. You know, I've I heard teaching all my life. I'm chasing another rabbit, but this one need don't shoot this one, this one needs to be chased. I heard teaching all my life that you know, the Holy Spirit is easy to grieve. i got to tell you something. He is not easy to grieve. He is a, a, a determined warrior that will stick it out when we can't stick it out. He'll be there when we can't be there. And when we fall apart, he's the one that picks us back up. He is not an abandoning father. He is not an abandoning spirit. He is the one that stays with it. I'm telling you something, God is not offended. You know, I've I've been in this thing for, for 40 years. I've been preaching the gospel for 40 years. I know, I look young. But I've been in this thing for 40 years. And over these 40 years, I have just become so frustrated with spiritual people because they're always blaming somebody else for grieving the Spirit. These people are grieving the Spirit in the church. Oh man, that irritates me. You know, it's like, why don't you quit paying attention to them and just kind of yeah. worship? Yeah. 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 That's what we're supposed to be doing. You know, just, yeah. you know, are you worshiping them? Or are you worshiping God? What, what are you worshiping? But it's always somebody else that's grieving the spirit. I got to tell you something. You're grieving the spirit because you're against everybody else. It's this who's who's most spiritual in the kingdom. You know. I had an evangelist pull up. I was out here on the parking lot fixing somebody's car. I was underneath their car repairing their car for them because they had broke down, and I was covered in grease and dirt. And, and, you know, I was trying to get these people back on the road. It was back before the days of the cell phone. And this evangelist pulled up. He gets out of the car. I crawl out of my other car, and he says, What's the man of God doing? Doing things like that. We're, you should be using your hands to lay hands on the sick, not fixing cars. I crawled out from under them, from under there, and I said, Here, let me touch you. (laughs) He just kept backing up, backing up. And I said, Look, quit being worthless and start applying your hands to what is necessary right now because that's what God's doing. Right now, God is fixing these people's car through my hands. See these hands? He's fixing their car through these hands. They're anointed. See the oil? Let me touch you. We don't have to be weird to be spiritual. We don't, we don't have to be off in the, in the Netherlands to, to, to be full of the Spirit. and We can be more engaged with humanity than we ever have been if you just let Holy Spirit focus you in on it. Amen. Because that's what he's here for. Amen. I've, I've seen all three levels of prosperity that, that happened this week. Gabri, filled with the Spirit. I've seen some other people just touched with the presence of God and, and blessed with the presence of God. I've seen healings take place. I got to minister to a missionary the other day that hasn't been able to sleep in six years. And God gave me a prophetic word for him. I met him. I met him last Sunday night in another service. And God gave me a prophetic word for him. And I took him all the way back to China, where they were missionaries in China. And I, I, God was able to take him back to a place in time where he had a demonic encounter that started all this. And he was still suffering from that. And and he he couldn't remember it. And that night he went home and prayed, God show me, God show me. And and about uh, early in the morning, about three o'clock in the morning all of a sudden it, he began to re- remember and god took him right back through that thing he called me the next day and i got to go and meet with him and pray with him and minister to him and god just revealed one thing after another after another after another that that was taking place and he, he sent me a text two days later he sent me a text he said i was I, I went off all the medication the doctor had given me for sleeping because it never it hadn't worked anyway he was taking several different medications to try to sleep. It was killing him. It was, it was destroying his organs, and he was just trying to get some sleep, and he just he quit all of it. He said, I was sitting in my recliner reading the book of Psalms, and he said, all of a sudden, I just went to sleep. <laughs> and I told him I, that day, he said, you know, he said, I'd like to know what it's like just to have a dream again. He said, I haven't dreamed in so long. And I said, I said your thoughts are just going to suddenly drift into 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 dreaming and and you're going next thing you know you're going to be asleep and that happened he slept went to sleep in his recliner and he dreamed He had a dream in that short time. He got up and went to bed and slept longer and had dreams. And he got up and after a while he went to bed again and he he slept longer and had dreams. You understand what I'm talking about? God cares about you. He wants to bless you in every level. He wants to fill you with his presence, fill you with his spirit. He wants to heal your body, heal your mind. He wants to heal you of the damage that's been done to your life. He wants to change the demonic interference has taken place in you, it has been imparted to you. He wants to cut that out, take it out of you, and heal you. That's the prosperity God has for you. And then we have the bottom level of, of financial prosperity. You think God doesn't care about that? He cares about every aspect of your life. But it would just help a whole lot if we just get more interested in being full of the Spirit than having our bank account full. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. I ain't going to get on that. I ain't going to criticize because there's some stuff going on in teaching today that just turns me wrong side out. It makes people full of greed and lust. I've been in services where I've, I've watched greed and lust just literally take over congregations and made me sick to my stomach, not because I'm against it. I'm not, I'm not against blessing but I'm against this demonic greed and lust that's been spread into people's lives and it's just it's destroying them. It's taking them away from God because when when things don't happen like has been promised, then they backslide. Because God didn't do it, you know? I gave five thousand dollars last time I had and, and and I went bankrupt and and now God doesn't love me and you know he failed me. And no, it was that person that failed you that told you, get you know he gave you a lottery card and, and wanted you to go cash it in, and it wasn't the right one. It didn't work. Something I'm going to say about that. I promise. I know what walking in provision is. Paul said, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Our life goes through cycles. Amen. And God, I, God wants to meet your needs. Susie come up to me. She's over helping with the kids. She came up to me last Sunday. She said, Pastor, you know how you're always talking about, you know, God holding your hand out? And that, that's, how I, that's how I do it. You know, when, when there's a need, when we have things we need, I, I hold my hand out and I say, God, here's my hand. You put it in my hand. I'll distribute it. And that's how, that's how we do things, you know. Works pretty good. And she come up to me. She said, you know that hand thing? That's the theological way of saying it, you know, that hand thing. I said, yeah. She said, I got my hand out because I got a medical bill due, and I, and, and I need money, and I'm, I'm, I'm holding my hand out. You know, she's kind of joking with me, but she said, I'm holding my hand out. And I grabbed her hand, and I said, well, here, you got it. Just like that, just trying and walked off. She come up to me this morning all excited. She said, she said I went to work, and they've got, there's a fund that can help people. And she said, I filled out the paperwork and they told me I didn't qualify. And the woman called her back and said, look, you know, you, you're probably not going to get anything, but I'll, I'll send it in anyway. So they sent it in anyway. She didn't hear anything, didn't get any phone calls. And then she finally checked her account. It was paid in full. <laughs> Every bit of it, paid in full. Praise God. Three levels. And we live down here... We 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 seem to try to we're clawing at the bottom of the bottom level trying to get some blessing from God and God wants you to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus it's His will for you to be a part it wasn't Jesus didn't force the Father to make to let you sit with Him in His throne it was God's idea it was your heavenly Father's idea to put you in that position where you can sit in Christ in heavenly places and be filled with everything that he has. Full of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Full of his health and healing. Oh, boy, don't we need that? Oh, there's, there's, there's some needs. God's going God's to meet those needs. We're believing. We're establishing. There, we've got to we've got to get to that place. Hundred third Psalm says, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all and, and all of His benefits. Bless be the name of the Lord." And He said, "Who forgives all of my iniquities?" Oh, hallelujah! All of my that's that's called getting in in a place of position with God. Forgives all of my iniquities. In other words, everything that is against me, everything that holds me out of the presence of God is gone. Now I'm I'm welcome. Who heals all of my diseases. Hallelujah. Who heals all of my diseases. And I really like this one. Who delivers my life from destruction. Wow. Who delivers my life from I've 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 looked at people before and I said look you you got to start declaring that God has delivered you from destruction because Satan has assigned you for destruction. You just watch their life start crumbling. It's like they're circling the drain and you got to you got to start declaring I am delivered from destruction. Amen. I am delivered from destruction. Amen. personally, I can tell you, I mean, there's so many times that the enemy's tried to destroy me, and and God has just resurrected me and just, you know, brought me back out of that, you know? There's been times I've been down in the drain and stuck in the trap, and God pulled me back out. Amen. Praise God. Resurrection. And then he says, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. Praise God. Earlene, you got this big old crown on your head, and it says loving kindness and tender mercies right on it. And that that is the label that God has put on you as a child of God, loving kindness and tender mercies. And everywhere you go, all the angels and demons and everybody else, when you walk around, They see that crown that says loving kindness and tender mercies on it and they realize that you're a child of God and and the angels are to bless you and the demons are to leave you alone. Amen. 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 Because you got a crown. Loving kindness and tender mercies. Praise God. I'm, I'm crowned. In other words, that is the authority over my life. Loving kindness and tender mercies. And then lately, you know, the the closer I inch toward sixty, I'm not there yet, but you know, the closer I inch toward sixty, I'm really starting to claim this one. Who fills my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Praise God. You know you know what that's talking about. It's talking about, you know, eagles when they whatever it is, Rob prayed this over me one time, I won't go into it, the old man. But they got that crust on their beak and their feathers are all beat up and wore out and they can't fly as good, but they go through this change where they grow new feathers and where they, they beat all that crust off of their beak. Man, I've been, beating on, I've been beating on rocks, you know, trying to beat that crust off my beak trying to grow them new feathers I want to fly amen I want to fly praise God I, I'm, I'm not ready to be grounded I want to fly hallelujah thank you Lord and I believe it God does that amen praise God I went from last year not hardly even being able to walk to this this year I have hardly any pain at all in my knees I mean just very little amen praise God Father, Father God doesn't want to withhold any good thing from you. But he also doesn't want to, want you to withhold yourself from him. Amen. Praise God. Some of y'all like my my youngest granddaughter, she is so honorary. You know, she she likes she just likes to aggravate you. And They say she's like me, but I don't think that's that's anywhere close. And she'll see me, little old tiny, what is she two year old? Two years old? Around two years old, kind of auburn hair, cute as she can be. And she'll see me and she'll go, Papa. And I'll I'll reach to pick her up and she'll go, no. And she go, "Papa," and I try to pick her up. She go, "Nope." Over and over and over. She walked in the house the other day, and she come, she come strutting in like she owned the place. I said, "Can I have a hug?" She said, "Nope." <laughs> Just kept on walking. <laughs> Some of us are kind of like that. We want God to be God, but if he gets too close, we go, nope. Nope. When we withhold ourselves, we rob ourselves. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Don't withhold yourself from God. He's a good God. Don't be like the children of Israel that say, you know, you know, you go talk to him. You know, pastor, you go talk to him. No, you talk to him. I had a guy at work one time come up to me and he said, he said preacher, I, I want you to pray for me. And I said, I ain't going to do it. He said, what? I said, no. I said, I'm not going to do it. He said, why not? I said, it's time you start talking to God. I said, you're always wanting me to talk to God before it's time for you to start talking to God. You need to, you need to get a relationship with God where you can start, start asking God and, and talking to Him, praying with Him. Praise God. He's a good God. There several, several things that you might need in your life. But the number one need that every one of us has is to be full of His Spirit. Full of His Spirit. You know, a good a good dad always wants his children to get, to go beyond what he's been able to get, go beyond. You always want your kids to excel beyond you. You always want them to do better than you. You always want them, you know, you. You you are more happy when you see them excelling than you are you excelling. And then when your children's lives aren't doing good, your life isn't doing good. I mean, don't matter what you try to do, if your children's lives aren't doing good, you just can't you just can't get past that. Because your desire is to see them blessed. Your desire is to see them excel. And if, if we're like that, Jesus said, if you being evil or you being carnal know how to give good gifts to your children when they ask, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? He wants you to have the ultimate that he has to offer. And that's himself. That's all that he has. Everything that he has. Praise God. God definitely wants to bless us in in other ways. Thank God for that. I thank God for his healing power. I I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God's healing power. He's raised me up so many times. Healed me. Gave me back the ability to function when it was taken away from me. Give me ability to walk again. Give me, you know, he's done so much. Resurrected me when I should have died over in Africa. Didn't know it. Unconscious. But I just woke up. I woke up one morning after being out for about three days woke up, and I thought, well, I'm feeling better. I'm going to make it. Amen. Didn't realize that the infection that was in my blood should have killed me, but it didn't. Why? Because we have a good Father. I love that. I love the times that he's blessed me financially in just miraculous ways. I love that. But all of that pales in comparison when I get into his presence and just feel the overwhelming presence of God. Nothing like that. Father, Father, thank you Thank you for being patient with us when when we don't understand you. Thank you for grace when we grieve you and upset you. Thank you for your love when, when we have to be restored. Father, we thank you for that. means that you have watched children watched your children struggle and watched them be blessed you've watched them suffer it's amazing how they can't suffer without you suffering you know I know mo- moms are, are much more connected to the emotional side but dads are fixers and when we can't fix something for our kids, it's, it's extremely upsetting and frustrating because we're fixers. called you up here is because we we represent some things of God that our wives or moms can't represent children always receive their well-being and approval from dad they always if if they're when when kids are at a ball game, when you take them to play ball or something, mom can be there every single time. But they'll always ask, if dad's not there, they'll always say, where's dad? Doesn't matter how many times mom shows up, they are always want dad to be there. Why? Because somehow they look to masculinity for approval. And we have the ability to bring confidence and approval into the lives of children and I just want to pray for you guys today that God help us all of us to be able to bring that not only in the lives of our kids but kids around us just to be able to con- have, see these kids left grandma and mom and look where they're at they're up here with grandpa I kind of like that myself because I like my grandkids to do that, you know. Praise God. Bow your head, Father. Standing before me today, Lord God, are representatives of, of you, representatives of the, uh, the masculine side of God. And Father, I ask you to help us god to impart the gift that you have given us lord i pray for every one of these men today all of us father god i pray that we would be able to impart that aspect that you need us to impart father god teach us train us give us wisdom give us knowledge father and how to bring a right understanding into the minds and hearts of children and father i ask you to bless these men father god lift them up lord i I thank you god for the three levels of prosperity in these men's lives lord god for spiritual fullness for mental and physical fit healing and well-being lord god for financial provision we just thank you for that god and i declare it over them lord god to impart to their families to train their families to lead their families to care for their families and Lord, I ask you to, to help them understand the position of priest in the home. And I give you praise for that today, Lord. Now, I just ask you to bless them now with your presence. Bless them, Father God, with your heart. Bless them, Lord God, with the anointing of the, of the Spirit of God. Father, I ask you to bless them with a powerful anointing in their life and, and authority in their lives, Lord God. And Father, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Give you praise for that, Father Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God, I give you praise for that today. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just ask you to heal the wounded spirits. We ask you, Lord God, to heal those of disappointment, Father God. and Lord, give them the ability to love beyond problems. Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God, you're good. You are good. You are good. Everybody say this with with me. Father God. Father God. Bless these men men. with your presence. With your presence. your Your wisdom, your knowledge. And your, and your strength. In Jesus' name. In Jesus Amen. Name. We got some gifts to give you today. A little, little tiny gift. Praise God. Let's just say we appreciate you guys. It's breath mints. No, it, no it's not. <laughs> it, it's whatever, it's whatever Sister Becca bought. <laughs> turn around and give each other a high five. Amen. Come on somebody. Hallelujah. Darrell give him a high five. (laughs) Or a fist bump or you know something like that. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's let's worship for a few minutes. We're gonna be dismissed. Let's just just spend some time giving God thanks for what he's done for us, what he's given us today. Come on, lift up your name and give him praise.